Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. It is a snowy day here in Ohio. We're here to discuss the finale of Mindhunter Season 2, Episode 9. Story by Joshua Donan and Courtney Miles. Teleplay by Sean Grant. Directed by Carl Franklin. I thought this was a good conclusion to the tale even though I did expect it to be much more of a Holden versus Wayne Williams Smackdown showdown. And while we did not get that per se, we certainly did get what what most likely was our perpetrator for a couple of crimes, if not all of the crimes they were accused of. I don't think it's possible that he's capable, not to say that that can't happen, particularly in places where, you know, the police are not, they're not adhering to the the law enforcement code. But usually it's in countries where it's far more prolific And I think the way they've even presented the case, I'll be curious to go back and look at the Atlanta murders from a nonfiction perspective. And I wish I had had time to do it before recording this podcast, but at the same time, I don't want it to interfere with what is going on in the show. I'm sure they always take licenses in telling the story of what happened versus how to incorporate it into a cohesive storyline. I think that Netflix sometimes erroneously does this, like with the Jeffrey Dahmer special that they did by, you know, making romantic relationships of people that were murdered by the killer. Like that's too far, but to, to, which I think is, I'm going to guess what they did uh, kind of put up a lot of theories and allow the audience, once they go look at the evidence, to come to their own conclusions. Before we jump into the review, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you want to send feedback on the next show that we are doing, I think I'm going to replace this with True Detective, but I'm not 100% committed yet. We shall see. New schedule will be posted. Blackercouch at gmail.com for any other show that I'm doing. At the bridge, things do not go as expected with Mr. Wayne Williams playing it cool by allowing the FBI to search his car providing a reason however flimsy for being out at this time of night since nobody is found uh not nobody no body in the water (laughs) is found and there's nothing from the search of his car which he claims is his uncle's they have to let him go after bill calls the supervisor And because they are working with recruits, none of them thought, well, they needed direction. They said, take 
photos of everything you see, they didn't think that also included bagging. So there's also that police incompetence on even the how to how to construct or build a case against any suspect using material evidence. And that is one of the biggest things that is spotlighted at the end of this is that it all came down to some fibers, which that might be enough to convict. And I think with all the other circumstantial evidence, the right person was convicted for the crimes in which they could convict him for. But I think the children, because the other two were adults, I think some of the older children probably got into his circle, but I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a case for possible if you were on that jury reasonable doubt if you played if the lawyer played their cards right especially if they was like an owl sharpton type of dude uh the numbers they call that he gave for his alibi or, or say where he was going to meet up with this cheryl to see if she's a talented singer turned out to be bogus which gives holden a reason for he and barnes to go see if they can catch him and another lie by going to his home. Narcissists, as he points out, like the attention. And we know Holden would know, as he is still going on about the Williams fitting the profile <laughs> that he made boosting his own ego. However, Barnes asks if he's prepared to deal with the fact that profiles and people may vary in markers based on the information they have studied. This is part of the dialogue that feels more generalized than at this particular moment. Because even with Barnes pushing back, he's like, well, I would have said you're incorrect, but the fibers came back and I'm actually basing my opinions on evidence. But he does need to keep in mind that no serial killer is going to fit one type of mode. All those boxes are not going to check. Even if this man is a killer, he didn't come from a home, which we've seen that actually be the opposite, particularly family annihilators, their own family annihilators. They typically are born from parents who had them rather late in life. Then they spoiled them since that's the only child they had uh, or, or for whatever reason, thinking of that one guy who just absolutely got cut off by his parents and decided he was going to kill him and did it in the worst way and then gave up halfway through trying to chop up their bodies. Terrible, terrible people. And he also uh, was struggling with his sexuality. Can't remember his name, but he was of the Caucasian variety. <laughs> but yeah, just the same way was given everything but being told you're special can build a different type of serial killer and that's what they discover as they are viewing Wayne he isn't an idiot he isn't drawn or completely taken on by his compulsions he is strategic and he is 
going to take them for a little bit of an embarrassing ride this entire episode. Belle goes home. Nancy is not even bothering to cook her husband breakfast or speak face to face as she points out that the fact that she and Brian are ostracized, stuck in the house all day, is the worst kind of existence. And all she has asked of him is to move. And he simply will not relent. I want a divorce. You want a divorce? I have wings, Tolly. I want to fly. Nancy has been a little bit more than patient. She has been mentally deteriorating and her husband has not provided her the support she needs, her son. He's talking about stability. You need He needs stability, but you yourself are not a stable force in his life. And I think she's been trying to, and I think, I know she's been telling him, just telling him, we need something new. We need to move on. And if you are not going to come with us, then you are going to be left behind. And it's kind of sad that there's that moment where it seemed as if she might be happy for a second, but that's all she ever gets is the, these scraps of anything from him. And she had every right to do what she did at the end of the episode in the manner in which he did it, because you were not taking all of the hints and you refused to like I said earlier, relent. <laughs> you know, don't, just give her a time frame. Fuck. Like, oh, just not right now. When the case is over, when is that going to be? You have to commit to say, and you knew your marriage was falling apart. You just expected it to remain the same and that she'll deal with it as she's always done. But everyone gets to a point where they break. The conversation when they get to Wayne's house is a little enlightening as they find out that he scouts out young children in particular for musical talent, denouncing touching them or the fact that he has anything to do with what is happening to the boys that are missing, because why else would the FBI be out here? But he also brings up the fact that he's not that much older and that's why he can empathize with them. Holden points out he doesn't have a girlfriend, is a handsome young man, but lives at home with his parents and spends his time driving around town, seeing as his job isn't one that pays any bills and he ain't even trying to pay any bills, which also speaks to him as a person. He had a successful studio. His parents invested everything into him, but when it came to it. He just didn't have what it takes. So now he's left with this huge sense of entitlement, this huge sense of ego, and he's being protected by his parents that are not allowing him to see the error of, or, or to face consequences really of his actions, of his responsibility as an adult in this world. And that is very important. <laughs> you can fuck up your kids, not just by abusing them, by not preparing them for the world in which they need to go the fuck out and live in. 
he has slick answers for his actions pointing out that he looks for children because the jackson fire that's what people are looking for nowadays Holden's assessment that the killer gets gratification, sexual gratification from strangling the boys unnerves him just enough. He also tried to relate to the brother in the room who only has mild disdain. Fuck your couch, nigga. <laughs> Buy another one, you rich motherfucker. Fuck your couch, nigga. Fuck your couch. And I know it's because I've watched so many television shows, but I was like, y'all are not being at all discreet. He ushered them out of the house, but not before Holden feigns going to the restroom and realizes Williams lied about having a dog saying, well, I don't have a dog. It's my dad's. Anytime someone feels the need to lie about something so irrelevant is hiding something. They follow up on where Wayne dropped off a check, seeing as he rents the studio for $50 an hour paid for by his dad who can barely afford it. Notice that he lives in a more upper class or middle class black neighborhood (laughs) with the neighbor heavy cracking up. I work shit. He don't know nothing about that. (laughs) But all of the kids that were murdered and even the two adults were from lower class society. And that, they believe feeds into his victimology that he sees them or he's angry at the fact that he could not succeed. And and he kind of places himself above those type of people at the studio. They give him the invoice. They find out he's not prone to anger or violence. He calls him a chump (laughs) saying that he got beat up last thursday or a couple of thursdays ago and he wrote it off as he fell in a bush he's not considered a threat he's polite uh and that's people who tend to be under the radar jeffrey dahmer was very polite they learned a couple of weeks ago he came in with scratches i think i already stated this um scratches of course are a telltale sign of a struggle i will say once again can y'all be a bit more casual with the way in which you question folks it's not casual or natural like oh so what's he like like what's he like is he prone to anger (laughs) it's making the guy uncomfortable it's like i don't want to get him in trouble and you still didn't ease his mind so of course He's going to do what? He's going to call his friend and be like, yeah, they were asking some pretty intense questioning over here versus, oh, they were just following up on your your alibi or what you said that you told them. As long as you're not lying to them, they don't have a reason to keep questioning you. So it felt like an interrogation. They pull another body out of the river, but this is an adult. But it isn't far from the bridge where Wayne was at. The time period Wayne got the scratches coincides with a victim who, like I said, had signs of a struggle. And the last person seen connected to Lube uh, or Luby was a man looking closely like Williams. Like if you could resemble someone that's a suspect and fitting all the other things, 
it's it's pretty good circumstantial evidence. Clayton has brought such circumstantial evidence, but I gotta say, with nothing tangibly directing uh, Williams to the crimes, the the warrant should be denied. So they asked for a surveillance warrant for twenty four hours, which he will consider. Considering last time he issued a warrant, they screwed the pooch. Back in the task force, Barnes, once again, I did laugh at the one scene that I thought was funny this episode with him eating over his shoulder. And he's just like, can you not? That everything that happens in this town is about politics. Clayton's decision will be based on what will appease his voters. On the news, once again, Holden sees how in D.C., Camille and the other Mullers of the deceased are doing more than the FBI to speak about the injustice that is happening to the children in their city. Seeing how one has to add tracking devices and wires (laughs) back in the day is pretty wild. Just creep up to the, no, anyone can see you. Unfortunately, while they can track Williams, they cannot listen to anything in the car. Doesn't matter anyway. He knows the FBI are watching him. And I'm glad that was evident because it was so very evident. And buys them lunch in an arrogant move to prove that they got nothing on him. So they just sit outside of his house. The profile begins to change as Tench wonders if it's shame that Clayton feels due to his sexuality with conservative parents. But Holden knows what it's like to be a narcissist and doesn't think that the man standing across from him has any shame. And he's right about that. Once they're blown, they're parked out everywhere. And one of the neighbors asked them to move the car. And I feel like they should have been talking to the neighbors this entire time. Like canvassing is a thing. And trying to figure out, okay, who's this person? Who's the family? Why weren't they talking to the neighbors? Maybe it's just uh, something I'm so used to them doing in in true crime. Or at least law and order. Because <laughs> they sure as shit don't do it in true crime. I, t- I keep telling you, the amount of fucking cases where people have been killed and they should have been caught. Particularly serial killers. Uh, it's It's mind-blowing. Holden knows that that Williams believes he's the smartest person in the room. However, the night he was pulled over by them, he was seen by the neighbor burning shit in the back yard. And he was like, are you sure it was him? No, I don't know who the fuck it was. So they end up getting a warrant to search his home where they find a book on how to beat a polygraph and explains why he is declining a lawyer. He wants to play this game. He wants to be notorious and he thinks that he's going to outsmart everyone. They also know how he used to work with public safety and may still have press release access, which explains why he was at one of those crime scenes. And he's been watching them for a while. He's been watching the cases for a while. And now he feels like he's finally participating. 
And he confirms that information in the interview with Holden and Bill, which the commissioner and a whole shit ton of other people show up to watch. Uh, Wayne continues to taunt police, knowing they do not have enough evidence to charge him with anything, making the media circus the recognition he always deserved, going on talk shows, talking about how they are trying to just persecute black people. And that's exactly what a highly contentious, uh, justifiably feeling the tension of the racial tension that goes on in Atlanta, but that's perfect to be exploited by someone who would fit more of the profile that is going on. And it starts back, I think, from the beginning. The, the, the PD never, ever, 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 APD, looked into these cases. They did not give a fuck. I can honestly feel that way by the end of the episode. <laughs> With the fact that they never found or never charged or convicted anyone for these seven, 27 uh, children. That's sad. However, the head of the FBI gives an interview saying that an arrest is imminent. They're like, what the fuck is he talking about? Then all of a sudden, Ted shows up. They invited the DA over with the governor, convinced him that he had enough evidence to charge Wayne because the fibers came back as conclusive. They got that information. And since the FBI is starting to be called out for what they have not brought to the investigation they decide okay we need to get the fuck out of here because this is a nightmare and we have wasted enough time and we need to show results not actually solve everything that needs to be solved and that ends up being wayne's downfall because he his hubris of trying to humiliate the fbi basically made them intent on convicting him. <laughs> That's a strong conversation to have with two fibers. Also, he was a flight risk because they found out that his hubris was a distraction for his father to get him out of the country to avoid any prosecution. And again, you would not do that if you <laughs> were that innocent. And I know, I know, you could say that all the time. Oh, well, you know, just according to the justice system. No, most people would think to, in that moment, trust the justice system. Or at least get a fucking lawyer. We do not care. That also was my favorite scene of the episode when he was being taken out the back by his dad and he just looks over and he sees the press and he starts smiling because he's gotten the notoriety that he's always felt he wanted and then out of the crowd comes Holden. That was uh, that was chef's kiss. Barnes points out that he had someone review the known pedophiles in the area and they found another older black man connected to the white male of the brick house whose evidence of only white males being in the photographs that were recovered 
was somehow forgotten to be written down in the log that there were black kids in the thousands of Polaroids that they found and set home. And that the stadium house and the brown house are connected. Ten says this stinks. You have the resources now. Do it independently and do it quietly because the task force has been around for months and they kept this information quiet. They never investigated. APD definitely is corrupt. So I was totally right about the chief. I feel vindicated. I purposely skipped the scene with Tanya so that I could tie it to the Camille scene at the end. Because I think that there is some... There's some basis for the thought process that these two women have. Once again, going back to the ending that despite Holden's promises, despite the FBI saying the DA chooses which cases get prosecuted, they've done their job, which wasn't really to finish the job, but to assist as best they could into solving the crime and then the fbi comes in and takes credit for most of the work which we saw ted do in that press conference (laughs) to give them more of a boost so that they did not waste their money and resources in this particular department because they they put a lot into this And I would say anything that's starting off new is going to have errors. And I think that while the FBI certainly could have done a lot more, I don't know how much more they were going to be able to do fighting a political machine that was the APD. And that's where the corruption is stemming from. And maybe that's why the role in the FBI changed over the years to some type of oversight of, of, sorry, I don't know every type of jurisdiction, the FBI, I know it's domestic, but I, I kind of was feeling that some of the anger towards Ford and even the FBI Cause that's what it really is. It's just the FBI and Ford's there as a stand-in and his, un- and his promises and the way he is, is, is to represent how they feel these women. And I think that probably based, I didn't read all the evidence, but I'm going to say that probably stands. What I, I, I kind of would point out as someone of the black community is sometimes we have attention have a tendency to allow our biases to override what could be also a possibility and the quick dismissal of the idea that it was a black perpetrator is where where i would be digressing and I don't know if that's really true though because Tanya said that but Camille said I don't believe that's the man that killed my Yusuf and I think that's a fair thing for her to say I don't think that she has a lot of 
faith in the FBI. And that's also a fair thing to say, but the justice system is broken and it is, and it has been broken before the FBI ever showed up. So part of me feels that national attention should be diverted to the true culprit, which is inward, right? The FBI is not going to fix the town hall and the sheriff's department and the, the public officials. Like she has the right idea, but from everything we've been told in this town, it is about playing some type of game. It's a chess move and justice is not at the head of that. And while it is a sad thing, and maybe that's where I'm just speaking out of a completely analytical and rational and not emotional side of that. I do think that something that Williams himself was saying, and and a lot of people were like shaking their heads about, which is um, a whole other conversation (laughs) Like, well, you know, I'm not saying these kids should have been killed, but if they're out and they're not being supervised or taken care of, maybe that has more to do with the system and whatever's going on at home. And if they something happens to them, well, then do you really blame the perpetrator? Do you blame the kids for being out and doing things or the parents for allowing that to happen or whatever parental figure or the police not doing enough uh, patrolling to make sure these children are out and safe so on and so forth so there was a lot that was bringing it back to a a system issue and not completely the responsibility of the FBI to fix that but on the flip side of that you came in because you were wanting to solve the murder of these 27 individuals and you came in and you solved the murder of two adults and then you left and that was not the task you did not at all even though they said i believe he's responsible for some and not all he wasn't even charged with that so there was no follow-up there was no conclusion ever brought to those mothers and i sympathize for that part But I do think that sometimes when we ourselves don't come forward and and give the information, you know, like all the kids knowing each other, if I was that mom, talking about nobody came and asked me, no one would need to come and ask me if I saw a lot of children disappearing in my neighborhood and I knew who they hung out with and where they hung out with or who, who, what someone else that can help. Like, why didn't nobody come to those women that were fighting for that with that information? So it's. I think it's far more complicated than I think the summary. I don't even know why he went to that restaurant to say as much. I think he wanted his desire was to do the right thing, but he himself couldn't even get some flyers printed because of the way in which things were done. And whether that bureaucracy still exists, I don't know. I don't (laughs) follow the FBI on Twitter or uh, hear a lot of things about their goings on. But I would hope that maybe at some point someone decides to give conclusion or, or decide to follow up on that promise they made so long ago. Because I bet you that suspect is right there. Someone they probably even looked at 
and they they probably could have connected those crimes to the people that were responsible if they had tried hard enough. Push come to shove, push come to shove. They did not want to spend money on people they didn't believe the taxpayers' money should go to, and that is a sad conclusion in itself. I'm not advertising vigilantism, but when it comes to child molesters, if the justice system fails, I think it is perfectly within a parent's right to simply handle business. You know the rules, and so do I. Say goodbye. There was a brief scene with Wendy. Yes, she broke up with Kay last episode. I didn't talk about it because honestly, I didn't care. I did not care. I didn't even follow the logic of the argument. It seemed like she was being way too harsh. Kay was not who I thought you were. Oh, because I compromised? <laughs> I think she took, uh, I don't know, maybe it was just because it was one conversation and there was no additional conversations and it was only a back and forth of accusations being thrown in Wendy's direction of, I didn't think you... I thought you were someone else and I didn't like the person I saw you were for five minutes with someone else. That's your ex-husband that as she pointed out, she has to maintain a civil relationship with despite the fact that he disapproves of her life choices. <sighs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't have much more to say about it than what happened. And the way she threw that magazine in the trash is the way I felt her characterization went. So that is that on that for Mindhunter. I think the the crazy guy <laughs> from the beginning of the episode that he was definitely going to be season three. But unfortunately, there is no season three. Netflix quietly canceled this show. It will not be returning. Check out my social media for what's coming up. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, black girl magic.